Do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. Maya Angelou. Bending Not Breaking, Season 2, Episode 19, The Guru. And we're back for another episode of Bending Not Breaking. What are you doing? Uh, Theme song. Do we have a theme song? Well, I mean, technically, I think the theme song is like the song that the song you know, that we actually at the very play beginning. Um, but I wanted more like of like a '90s sitcom, like, like theme fake, song. fake theme song that like we don't a, actually have. Yeah, like a '90s sitcom one where like it's just pictures of us like smiling and like whoops, like things happening, and it's just like cool story, cool story, bro. Happy to the tenacity. I think a lot of things happen here. I'm over it. Coming just around the bend. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, so that's that's what I wanted something like that. So that was my welcome to Banana. So, anyways, um, but you know, if you didn't like it, you didn't like it. But it's episode 19. We are wrapping. We are gonna wrap up season two in two episodes. This episode, and then the next one. Dun dun dun. This one's coming out on Tuesday. The next one. It's coming out on a very special day. Special day that's not a Tuesday. Not a Tuesday. It's going to be coming out on a Friday. Whoa, May that's 15th. so unheard of. And we'll tell you why next episode. But I'm sure some of you can likely guess why we're doing a little special episode on the 15th. But before we get to that episode, we have to do this episode, which yeah, is... that's why we're here, for this one episode. Of my, all right, Ben, is Who everything Who are okay? you guys? I'm great. Everything fine? I mean, I know everything's, like, not fine. I think fine is not the ideal it's word not, to use right it's now. It's definitely not fine across uh, the Max, world. Max, how you doing? But... Are you fine? Yeah, I'm fine. But we are going to talk about Avatar The Last Airbender. Max doesn't have fine on the same scale as everybody else does. He goes, I'm fine. Y'all haven't introduced yourselves. I'm, All right. I'm well, Ben Pruitt. And I'm Sunshine Mayfield, Max. Thank you. Who are you? You've introduced me. That's our producer. He's great. I like him a lot, and he's fine. I, like he said, like he's fine. But we're gonna try to we're gonna try to take a little bit of this darker time, and we're gonna try to, to bring some Iroh style wisdom. Mm, I love through those. Looking at episode nineteen, the Guru, through the lens of self improvement, and I think that now's mm. uh, probably a really good time for us to be able to focus on that. Mm. Um, and so. Yes, we are baking bread. Yeast is sold out across America. It's true. Yes, Except we are I have planting some. gardens. Yep, I did that too. Because y'all are going and getting flowers. Nope, I got herbs. And then for whatever reason, people are selling out TJ Maxx's across the South. More importantly, I want some toilet paper. Ben, I've, you've been so kind to me. I have. Because you've been letting me use your toilet paper stash. I know. Uh, during this hard time. I can't wait. I'll collect some. And so some this way, is somehow. going to be like looking a gift horse in the mouth. And I want to tell you that I'm in t- like very grateful for, for your support through this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You use single ply toilet paper. And I think you're a monster. Sunshine, you know, I don't use that. You know that I have that and we are being forced to use that. 
Okay, good. I just that. Do you not realize that was I, the first story I told myself? So I'm glad that we were able to push back on that and take. No, it's my, like using sandpaper on your it, butt. It is a terrible toilet paper. So it's all pretty terrible. Oh, oh Max. And on that note. Okay, well, good because I I actually thought about that earlier today, and so I'm glad that this is this is not the normal you buying just single. You know the reason paper. you use Charmin is because of me. That's the same brand I used for years, and you're like, oh my god, I love this, so and then you're like, stole it. And then there aren't any, there's none available. Hey, Charmin, sponsor us. All right. <laughs> Charmin's so much better than the one single ply brand that we're yeah, currently Scott using. Yeah, Scott sucks. Um, but let's, all right, let's talk. And we're going through the lens of self-improvement. But before we get to that, it's time for one of our favorite segments that we haven't been able to do in a while. And that is Max's Uninformed Recap. Oh, I'm so excited. Max... Yeah. You, are you ready to get your prompts for the uninformed recap? Sure. So remember, this episode's called The Guru. Oh, okay. And at the very beginning, Zuko speaks with Iroh and seems kind of happy about working in a tea shop and his new place in life. At the end of this episode, Iroh gets an invitation to serve tea to the Earth King. It is incredibly misleading how these two <laughs> scenes play together in this episode. Yeah. Your five keywords are chakras, stinking sink, metal bending, illusion, and blockers. How are you feeling about all that, Max? I mean, fine. I don't think I could do it with those keywords. I do. It was a tough. It was tough to find the right keywords in this one. All right, Max, you've got one minute. Are you ready? Yeah. And away we go. All right. Well, the episode, of course, begins with Zuko speaking with Iroh, and he seems kind of happy about working in a tea shop and his new place in life. And since this episode is called The Guru. It stars Mike Myers as the love guru, and he's throwing up his chakra single, signals and um, everything but the kitchen stinking sink uh, is going into that because it's really important. 30 seconds. Um, speaking of kitchen stinking sinks, some sinks are made out of metal, and so when he's getting his hot water to make the tea with, he, he metal bends the sink which is problematic for obvious reasons. Um, and it creates a, a illusion. Ten seconds. An illusion that um, the, the, the T is there, but it's actually not there because the metal was bent and the sink didn't work. Um, Three. Which, so the sink two, was a blocker. One. And Iroh gets an invitation to serve tea to the Earth King. Yes. That's well exactly done, what happens. We shouldn't even have the episode. He I, nailed we should it. just end it there. He nailed it. That's fine by me. Ben, are you ready to recap <laughs> the episode for realsies? No. There's so much that happens. It is. So you've got 30 seconds. On your mark, get set, recap. Zuko's happy after getting the flu and then falling asleep and then waking up. And then, oh my god, Aang is going to learn, you know, how to clear his chakra so he can master the Avatar state. And he goes through all of them except one. He can't let go of Katara. And so he decides to realize, oh no, she's in danger. Seconds. And so he goes to find Katara, realizes that she's trapped because, you know the Azula and Trio have captured, you know, all of the Daily and turned them into their little minions. And now everything's trouble. Then Zuko gets Three, captured and two, then everything one, just goes to a mess. End. 
Well, Zuko doesn't get captured in that episode. Oh. They blend together. It, there's a clear stop and start. They give you the title card. Well, y'all, hey, I'm foreshadowing for next episode. And recap, if you want to send us your 30-second recap, you totally can. I would love to you hear You can send that via that. a voice memo to thearcavy at gmail.com. You can also email us and tell us who does them better. Is Sunshine better or is Ben better at it? Who does it better? Or Max. Or, or Max. Max. Yeah. All right, so let's talk a little bit. We're going to focus on self-improvement. Yikes. So let's talk about that because here's here's the kicker, right? You can't just like you Google self-improvement and it'll tell you things like here are the three reasons why you should focus on your self-improvement. You'll be a better person. Mm. More jobs will open up to you. Mm. And it's good to focus on yourself. And like mm. those are the three reasons. It's, it's, it's all very like vague and, well, it's and, also and like, mysterious. It's also condescending in a way. Yes. Oh, like it's the same way. Like I, I feel like a lot of people engage with the concept of like self help, also in that manner. Like self help books and reading them feels condescending, or it feels like mushy gushy. Depending and like, on the author, for sure. And like right, and so it's just there's this, uh, there's a I think there's a negative connotation sometimes to the to the concept of working on yourself. Well, one so one of the proud thing the one of the things I'm proud about in in you, um, I see it a lot, and then I try to emulate it is the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. That is so true. And so if anyone is selling you anything that's kind of like, I've got the recipe, I've got the answers, and I know all of these things, and when you do these things, you'll be done, is 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 utter, just trying to make a dollar. Crap. Like, yeah. it is not true. Some of the most influential people, and I think some of the best writers and some of the best people to listen to on the topic of self-improvement are all authors that kind of sit there and say, hey, I did the research, and this is what I found out, and I realized that like I still am consistently working on this every single day. You know, this reminds me of an episode on, a podca- on my other podcast, The Vespers Project. Uh, we did a podcast on faith and doubt and how those two are connected, and one of the things that kind of emerged from that conversation is that really just anytime someone is certain about something— I am hesitant. Yeah. I, I become wary of whatever they're talking about. Because as soon as someone is certain, especially around religion and faith, I'm like... Philosophy mm. and all of I'm that. like, yeah. if you're so certain, then you have no room for my, my critique and my, my, uh, my inability to have certainty. And so you're making it unsafe for me to be uncertain, right? And so I feel the same way about self-improvement. If you feel like you've got it, you're creating this concept of um, it's having it and getting it is attainable to the point of like and I, I get to the I get the idea of like mastery and like once you've mastered something and you but the problem is with with mastery I think that you have the ability to teach you have the ability to but you're also not stopping in your growth when you have achieved mastery, the right? More, the more you ma- – say you master piano, right? The more you realize when, how frequently you mess up, how frequently you could have done something better because you have the knowledge base to understand that, like, yeah. that wasn't as clean as it could have been. And the masters still practice. Absolutely. They still work. And they and, still mess up. And they still mess – exactly. And so I, I think that it's, self-improvement is a lifelong goal. It is not self-improved. Like, I'm not self-improved, right? I am working towards self-improvement. There is no, like, achievement uh, in terms of, like, a final 
journey. There is only goal, like, checkpoints along the way. Correct. Yeah, and I think that that's where, um, again, a lot of people hit that wall of, like, when do I get to the end, the, the finish line? Um, and there's not you consistently have to shift your mindset because even in things that might be true today become untrue with new information 10 years from now. 100%. Um, Absolutely. And so things that, like, when I think of the way that I coach and teach kids, things that I thought worked and maybe did work 10 years ago and were great tools are no longer the norm or no longer the best way. And so for me to sit there and say they are and be adamant about that is not only doing a disservice to myself but doing a disservice to the people I'm serving. So can I connect that to a moment in the episode? Sure. So that that specifically ties to something that I wrote down about Aang's ch- chakra journey. Um, and so uh, Aang, it has, in his last moment, is trying to let go of Katara and his attachment, right? His earthly attachment. And he's attached to Katara. And he says, why on earth would I want to not be in love with Katara and let her go? Three shockers ago, that was something that I wanted. And that's ex- exactly illustrating your point. So if we're on a journey, uh, sometimes we will find a tool that serves us in our current state. But as you continue to grow and learn, you're going to realize that, that tool is no longer helpful and you need to be able to let that go in order to grow. And I think about uh, the riddle homophobia scale, which we've talked about before, but you can't jump from uh, pity to nurturing. There are steps in between. Mm-hmm. You have to go from pity to tolerance to acceptance to like there's a, there's a step-by-step growth model. And so me going from pity to acceptance is a step in the right direction. Me going from pity to tolerance is a step in the right direction. It is a tool that is helping me grow, and it's definitely not the end. Correct. Right? There is more to grow. And so tolerance then becomes something that is a thing of the past, and so I need to be able to let tolerance go in order to be accepting. And then I need to let go of the idea that I have to accept you in order to make you okay. Right? I don't have to do that. I need to let go of acceptance so that I can move towards support, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Does that, does that make sense? Does that kind of apply to what you were saying? No, absolutely. And I think it's similar to the, the muscles that you use, whether it's physical or emotional or mental. If you stop using them, how easy you can revert back to old absolutely. behaviors. You know, that's such a good point. I was listening to, I read all of Brene Brown's books. And Who? Yeah, I think we've talked about her before. Okay. Um, but like I've read all of her books, and I was recently listening to her podcast, and uh, her recent, most recent one was on the art of the apology, and I have taken her class on that, and then I re-listened to this podcast, and I was like, oh my goodness, I have forgotten all of these points, mm-hmm. and I have I have reverted back because it was not a part of my practice, um, and so yeah, that's a that's a great point. Well, and we'll see that next episode. We sure will. Uh. <laughs> it's so sad. Oh, um, let's talk a little bit about um, one of the things that I want to highlight in this when it comes to self-development is we never really focus on Sokka's self-development throughout the course of the last two seasons. We know that he gets better at things, but like sure. it's not really ever a point of focus in the episode. Well, tell, tell me more about that. Well, like, the, well, the reason I'm bringing it up is because we get this moment with him and his father, 
And his father clearly sees this stretch of you were kind of a child when I left you and, and made you the quote unquote man of the tribe. And now I'm validating you as a warrior, someone who I would trust in battle next to me, someone I'm willing to let be a part of this team. Like I've seen your growth. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of who you've become. And it's something that we've never really focused on on Sokka because we've always talked about how Aang is growing for the most part because we're seeing we're directly involved and focused on that from point A to point B. But we there are moments where Sokka has self-improved from the misogynistic mentality of the way he spoke to Katara in the very first episode um, to the growth and respect that he has for people like Suki um, as he kind of moves forward and the respect that he has for Toph and the respect that he sees in other people. Um, so I have a question. Sure. And so uh, tell, help, me, I'm, help me wrap my head around this. So as you were talking, what's coming up for me is what is the difference between natural growth and self-improvement? Right. Right. And so what's like, because Sokka has surrounded himself by Katara, Aang, Toph, he is putting himself into a situation, I think unintentionally, mm-hmm. that is improving his character yes right sure and so i think my my question is at what point does self-improvement require intentionality versus self-improvement happening happening over the course of time because of the situations we're choosing to be a part of mm-hmm. so i i almost see it as like anything else the learning model that we're familiar with um 70% of your learning and growth happens when we're focusing on our job. So I'm going to sidestep what we're doing. There's a learning model out there. I do not know who made it. I do not know where it comes from, but it's one that's heavily used in my profession where it's kind of like 70% of what you're learning and growing throughout your work is on the job. You're learning through experience and what you're doing. 20% of it is through like formal coaching and feedback. And then 10% of it is through like, determined i'm going to take this class i'm going to read this book i'm going to formal training formal training and i almost see it like that right so if you are in experiences 70 and 70 percent of your learning and growth is applying what you are learning and what you are doing and navigating situations and evaluating how you handled certain things and then 20 percent of that is getting feedback from the people you're with the people that you trust your mentors your coaches your gurus and then 10 percent of it is you going off and saying i want to read this book i want to check out that scroll i want to speak to that owl before he takes down the entire um library uh so i I think that that's i feel like self-improvement is is that you've got to do those outside work you've got to read the books you've got to go to the trainings um, whether whatever you are trying to get better in, whether it's understanding um, racial equity, go to the trainings and read the books. Whether it's understanding how to be a better ally, go to the trainings, read the books. And then part of it is doing it and being there and being supportive and and then getting feedback from, from others and the, the experiences that you're in. And so I think that's, to me, I think Sokka has surrounded himself with the right amount of people to have that 70% be really beneficial for him. So I think my trouble lies in, I I think that his growth and development is a byproduct of him being like being, just being a part of this group rather than him being like, I need to grow. 
Yes. I need to, like, so I really want to, like, pick that apart in a way because... And let's, because I think, if I'm... Continue, sorry. Well, I, I just, I think that there, I think intentionality is required in order for it to be considered self-improvement. I think you need to be, I, I, I think we're... Aware. I think awareness is the key, right? I think we have to be aware of what we wear in which we want to improve. And I think we're, like, that's not necessarily true for us to improve. But then who's to make that judgment on improvement, right? Yeah. What, what is improvement at that point and what is just change? And does that make sense? Yes, it does. Because I wonder, the way I see that is when someone is so bogged down in the whirlwind of what they are doing on such a day-to-day basis, they don't feel like they've got the time or the energy or the output capacity to go to a training or to read a book or to spend intentional time to focus on things because they've got all these things to do. And I wonder if Sokka feels kind of in that. And so it does not allow his, his, the ram inside of his head to be able to have that space to say, you need to focus and get better on this. And I also, I don't know how often you get people telling him, like, you need to focus and get better on this. Well, it, he doesn't have the coach, and right. he doesn't have the formal training. I think this is purely, I think you're right. It's the 70% of him is just, ex, it's experience. But it's more 100% with Sokka is what you're arguing. I'm arguing that it's 100%, Well, maybe right? like 90 and then like 10% like coaching from his peers and I friends. I think him being yelled at by Katara is not like... No, but I think he got it's coaching. Feedback. He, he got coaching from Suki. He did. That's true. Um, but that's really about it, right? Maybe he learned a little bit from the uh, the old man that he went fishing with in the first season. Probably not a lot, but um, but I, I think that, so. That's I guess to me, there was a really cool moment to see Sokka's dad because uh, similar to Zuko, growth, he right? wants yeah. to be loved. Yes. Like, as people, isn't that? What we're going for is to be loved um, and to find connections with other individuals and to feel accepted. And that's a moment where it happens with Sokka right then. Um, and it's partially because of the work and experiences he's done by being a part of the group. Maybe not intentionally, but I think it does show you that when you've got the right people around you, how much that can really uplift you. So I think that's the takeaway is when we are... Like I think the universe is conspiring to help us grow towards more love, right? And what I mean by that gives you the opportunities for sure. Is and and I think that what we see is Sokka growing towards love, and his ability to uh, his growth and development is helping him grow and be better uh, as whatever because of the judgment that we are placing on his growth, right? This is, this is our perception of growth, right? Right. And our perception of improvement. And so I, I just want to say that we have, we will grow in whichever experiences we're a part of, right? I think that we are naturally growing literally and mentally. We are always improving our minds and growing and at the same time, if you think about the model of 70-20-10, you are going to be able to grow more effectively with awareness, with coaching, and with training. Yes. And a willingness to be coached and trained. Co- yes. Which is massively important when it comes to self-development. The ability to have someone give you feedback and not take it as... Well, and we see Aang, like, 
he is so humble. He's so humble in this episode. And because of that, how quickly does he move through these chakras? Much faster than we on the outside would Y'all. ever go through this. Like the, the moments where he's like, he's like, let go of fear. And he's like, and all right, cool. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, fear, if only fear, it were fear, that easy. Fear is let go. Okay, cool, cool. Um, I'm just going to let go of it. Yeah. Which I have, like, there's pushback. I have a little bit of pushback to that because I think fear is a natural emotion that's there for safety and it's there to well, be I there. I think and, so is grief. Right? I think so. Like, And so to let go of it completely, I have... I struggle with, but maybe, but I think that you, you don't use it as a way to inhibit you or as a blocker, but as something to acknowledge and almost move to the side versus... Well, and I think that's what... Like... I, I agree, 100%. But, and I think it's the same thing with our grief, uh, which is something that he has to let go. And I think um, these are emotions that are natural and biological because they are... They're, it's our body's response to the world and the uh, experiences the world has presented us. Well, it's funny because guilt and shame are both blockers at certain points. Yep. And I would argue that like guilt can be a very positive thing in navigating your own conscience. 100%. Shame is not. Correct. So I agree. Guilt, I think can be a useful tool. If you feel guilty, that is a, I did, I did something wrong. It doesn't mean I am wrong. It doesn't mean I am bad, but it means that I, I did something that I don't agree with. I don't think that aligns with my values, and I kind of feel guilt about that, what, and I think that's okay. What I think what is so cool about this scale is the first thing they start with is fear, then guilt, then shame, mm-hmm. right? And so I, I think in order to get to the point where we can, where we are prepared to work through our shame, we first have to work through our guilt, right? Yes. Because if we aren't, we like... You almost we, have to accept it. <laughs> So it's part of the, like the point of you have to do this work in order to do this work. Mm-hmm. Like you can't get away from doing it. And so part of the, part There's of the, no jumping to the light yeah, chakra. There like is you no have like, to okay, I'm just going to give all of all my earthly attachments now that you have to, you have to start at the bottom. And I think that's, what's so intriguing about this is that having to let go of your guilt before your shame, I think is real because I think that in order to do that, you have to be mentally aware enough to understand the difference between them, right? So I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I think it's interesting that they choose guilt then shame. Yeah, and I think as we're talking on the chakra, so this I love this episode, and it's because of all this conversation around this, right? The more we talk about these words and the more that we utilize them, the more we become familiar and the more we're willing to tackle them. There's less of a stigma around it if we're, if we're living it. It's right, it's, a, it's, it's like saying, the word, it's saying Voldemort's name. Right, fear of a name only comes from fear of self. It same same works with guilt and shame and grief. If we are unwilling to talk about them, they will have a hold. More more than that, if you're unwilling to name it, if you don't even know what you're experiencing, because you're, how are you going to deal? Like, with Like how are you going to deal with it? Mm-hmm. Like n- being able to name our emotions and name what we're experiencing and feeling is an integral piece of any sort of emotional intelligence uh, growth. When I think, as, and as we're looking at it through the lens of self-improvement, if you are working to serve others and working to be supportive of others, but you have not worked on fear, guilt, shame, your interactions with other people will be inhibited by that. And you will not be able to serve them to the best of your ability in a way that's meaningful if you haven't done the work on these. Yep. The leaders that I know that have done the work on these end up being much better leaders. They're more self-aware. They have more empathy. They're able to maneuver their own leadership style to best meet the people that they are serving 
because they've done the work on these things. Yeah. If they haven't, if they're not as self-aware, people, leaders that get defensive. Think about that boss that like you tried to give feedback to, and they just went on the flip, shut defensive, down. shut hmm. down, and attacked you back. And how absolutely shredded that line of trust became because of that moment. And you never went and talked to them ever again. Like, I've had those moments. I've been on the leadership side of those moments. But when you do this work, when you work through, honestly, when you kind of go through these chakras, you are a better leader and able to navigate that and continue to build that trust. Yeah. And so as we're talking about self-improvement outside of the world of Avatar, this is kind of a great map to, yeah. start, to start with. So, like, find books on fear and, and, and learn about it and talk about it and learn how that manifests itself in your own life. Talk about guilt with other people, things that have made you feel guilty. Why did you feel guilty about those? What's that feeling? And then we've got whole there's, – there's, uh, there's an author who's got books on shame. Yeah, I think uh, Brown, is it? Brene? Brene yeah. Brown? Max, you ever read those? Bits and pieces. Um, Even Max has read some of those books, y'all. That is just a glowing – recommendation but I th- and i think that's just one of the special parts about this episode is that you see that self-development but it is something that is so tangible for us i think Brene brown should sponsor this podcast <laughs> <laughs> she's not giving us a dime nah i'll um, give her a dime for her next book though i yeah more um but i think that that's one of the the coolest parts of that because on the flip side of that we see leadership um not yet but we 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 see azula kind of weasel her way in we see the illusions that she kind of creates um when it comes to self-improvement and well and i think what's interesting she's good right well let's pause there for a second because guru patik says that illusion is the problem but he goes dives deeper and says the real illusion is separation correct and azula loves making some things separate exactly loves she is the one who is best at creating driving that separation right she drives the wedge she's the one who's creating that line of separation and it creates this illusion that people buy into Mm -hmm. well we'll see in the next episode when she when she starts taking over the daily yeah how much she's able to drive a wedge into them and long fei who has been their leader for years yep and she is able to rip that apart in seconds um and we see the illusion of this fake oh i'm so bored and and wearing these clothes and we're clearly fire nation to allow the Dai Li to go tell long fade just so i mean she's an incredible manipulator of situations um she would be terribly good at survivor oh she she, she would she would like she would get down win. to the final two yeah but then she'd get taken out. I don't know. She might convince everybody that she played the game really well. I don't know. Man. Ben and I have been crushing seasons of Survivor. It's unfortunate. On Hulu. Lots of them. And fortunate. <laughs> so. Can we move to Toph for a second? Yeah. Let's talk about self-improvement with Toph. Because yeah. that girl figured something out that we have not seen in the world of Avatar. Yeah. But so it's interesting because in the episode The Earth King, I went back and like did some research. We see the Dai Li manipulating what look like chains, and then we see it again in this episode and the next episode. Correct. And it looks like they're metal bending. So you, th- you think like they're metal bending. So I did some research, and uh, a little research. I was diving into the, the depths of Reddit <laughs> and just to try and figure it out, and like, are the Dai Li metal bending? And the answer, according to one Redditor, was that 
uh, this was covered on some sort of deep dive into Atla, um, that they are not. It is they, they are not metal bending, but as soon as I wrote, took notes, I saw the, these chains. And I was like, oh my god, are they metal bending? Um, so I had to investigate. But apparently the answer is no. There's stone or earth involved they, yeah, in those chains. There, there is, exactly. It, the way it was worded on the Reddit post was that they were an extension of the earth hands or something along those lines. Mm. That was um, So they send the hands almost and then pull it back with the chains. Correct, yeah. Interesting. Anyway. It happens very fast. They're very good at that. So now that we know they're not metal bending, Toph, on the other hand, is... Vince metal bending, yeah, to our knowledge. So there's a story that is in one of my favorite books uh, called Three Seconds. And it's by... I, I pronounce his name Les Perot, but it's spelled Les Parrot. Um, I think Perot is correct. I think so too, but I might be wrong. Anyway, um, they talk about uh, this this guy who's in a math class back in the 40s who uh, is studying for his final exam and he goes to class and he is late. He is so scared. He slept in and he's late for this exam. He comes in. Everybody else has already started on their exam. There's only six problems on the test and then there's two problems on the blackboard. And so he sits down, he just starts working, he finishes the six on the test, and then he starts working on the two on the blackboard, and he does not finish. He finishes all six of on his test, he starts to work on the two on the blackboard, and he doesn't finish, and he is just so distraught, because back in this time period, if you didn't get a good grade, you weren't getting a job. Right. And so he was just distraught. So he went up to the professor and like just begged say, hey, can I just have a little bit more time to work on the two on the blackboard? And the professor looks at him and says, I'll give you 24 hours. He goes home, works as hard as he can, and he can only figure out one of the ones that are on the blackboard. He figures out one. He just could not do it for the other one. And he's just so sad. So he turns it in. He's like just resigned to the fact that he won't get a job. He goes to sleep after he turns it in. And comes back the next day. He's woken up by another student who is knocking on the door wildly. Says, "You did it! You did it!" And he's like, "Huh?" And turns out the two problems on the blackboard were presented at the beginning of the class as impossible problems to solve. These were pr problems that no mathematician had ever solved before, and they were thought to be impossible to solve. Even the greatest minds of the world had never solved them, and this guy did. And the moral of the story is he didn't know that they were impossible, right? And the, I do not think that's a healthy thing to just believe for everything. Oh, everything's possible. I don't, I don't know that that's true, but I do think our perceptions of tasks and whether they are possible or whether they're just difficult or um, et cetera do play a major role and factor and whether we try yep. and how perceived barriers exactly keep us from even trying in the first place. 100%. And so Toph is just ignores this barrier and she's like perceived and physical. Like yeah. she's in a metal cage and yeah. no one has done this before. And so she just ignores it and maybe not ignores it. I think she acknowledges it and says, I'm going to, I'm going to do it anyway. Right, that confidence, that like fortitude, is probably what allowed that strength of will w was strong enough to bend metal. 
And so I just think it's fascinating um, to think about how that kind of developed in her. Well, I think it's because of uh, what others would consider a handicap and what we kind of see as a disadvantage. But because of that, it has trained her to see with and see different her hands and her feet and see differently. And because of that, she was able to notice the minerals that were inside of the metal, um, which is just was incredible. And I love that moment. I love the first it's moment awesome. she like she hits it and it, it moves. <laughs> uh, and, I am the greatest earthbender uh, in the world. <laughs> um, I absolutely I love everything about that that scene, and I love um, how she traps them in it. I'm pretty sure they die, right? Do we ever see them again? I'm just. Gonna, I think they die in that metal. My head canon is that they're that's dead. on a well-traveled road. She well-traveled road murdered them. Nah, I'm just saying out of self-defense, but like, I don't think she did that. I think they're dead. I don't. He had the key on him, so they could not open that. I think earth bending can open that metal. I think you can manipulate earth in a way to use leverage to use your tools to open and drive a wedge and open that casket. Maybe. And I say casket. Because it was because they, they probably did find them dead. I don't think they did. I'm just saying. What do you think? I'm interested in our listeners. Do my head, my head cannon is they died. What's the vote? Can you vote and tell us, did they die or are they alive oh, still? Soup's dead. And can we also talk about, like, there? I just don't believe that dude is a real earthbending master. No. At this point, right? We had this argument earlier this season where... What's a master, right? What's a master? All that, all that conversation. It was last season. It was the first time we met Toph. It was this season. Master? Mastery? The, maybe mastery, but when we talked about Toph, we said, how good of a master could he really be if he could not recognize how uh, good she that's was? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we get this moment where she's like, I've got to go to the bathroom. And he is so quickly to let her out. No other master that we would have encountered at this point would have been so easily duped into being like, okay, I'll let you out. Right? Yeah, I think we had a similar conversation with Paku in season one. So, that's my... Mastery was... We talked about mastery with Paku, but... Yes. So, I just... I think he's a dumb dumb. I think he's a fake master. I think he's well, like... I think he's out to get money, and it's clearly portrayed that way, I think he's right? like Jeff Winger in Community. He's, you know... Except, he doesn't really have the credentials to be doing what he's doing. Yeah, that was a it's niche like an online reference. online credential kind of a deal. Yeah. So, anyways, anything else we want to talk about in this episode? Because really, a lot happens, but it's all very centered in like three to four moments. Yeah, I just I just want to be an advocate for teachers in this moment and in this time, and I I, I think that Aang would not have been able to get to this point without the teachers in his life. Um, Katara, Paku, and now Guru Patik, Toph, uh, he is able to progress as fast as he is progressing because of the teachers that are in his life. And I think that's also because his awareness of how he needs and what he needs to do in order to grow. And so with his combined intentionality and his ability to seek out and believe in teachers i think he is growing so rapidly because of that so i just i want to highlight and thank and bless all the teachers in our world that are putting themselves and their life's work into helping people improve because don't we all need it we do we do 
Max, anything you want to add to this episode? Not at this time. All right, great. We will be back in just a moment. We will have our next practice, and then we will jump into our second-to-last devotion of this season. We'll be right back. And we're back for this new segment we're going to try. We're going to try a new segment. Uh, I'm going to explain it, and I want you to help us create a avatar-themed name for this segment. Um, we're, ad- again, adapting uh, a practice that I have um, lovingly enjoyed hearing on another podcast, uh, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Um, and that's where Lectio Divina. It's essentially where we're going to pick a random line in the episode. And what we're going to do is we're going to analyze it on four different levels. And what the, the, the beauty of this is that it, no matter what line we pick, there's always something really cool that happens in the conversation. So Sunshine picked a random line in the episode. And what we're going to do is we're going to analyze it on four levels. The first level, uh, well, I'll just explain it as we go. So first things first, let's hear what the line is. Yes. And then we'll go through step by step. Mm-hmm. Now think of your attachments and let them go. Let the pure cosmic energy flow. All right. One more time. Now think of your attachments and let them go. Let the pure cosmic energy flow. Okay. So step one is what is literally happening in the text right now? What is literally happening in the show? Um, And so you, you pick the line. What's literally happening right now? Guru Patik is giving Aang instructions on how to open his next chakra um, by telling him to let the, his attachments go, his last chakra. So this is the last this one, This is the right? last one. He's wanting him to let go of his attachments so the pure cosmic energy of the Avatar state can flow into him and he can change it at will. Yeah, and so he's, and he's going through this process so that he can master the Avatar state. That's yes. the ultimate goal, yep. right? That's literally what is happening. Okay. Well, we nailed that one. I love this. I'm good at it. So step one is what is literally happening. Nailed it. And then step two, we're at step two already. Mm-hmm. Step two is uh, what does this line remind you of in the rest of the series? And so what words speak out to you that you hear in the rest of the series? Uh, what lines, what part of it, uh, what's the, um, what does it remind you of in the rest of the series? So before you get started, can you remind us what the line is for our listeners? Yes, the line is, now think of your attachments and let them go. Let the pure cosmic energy flow. All right. I think in the whole series, this reminds me of the sacrifices that people have made for the good of others. So okay. Katara and Sokka yeah. sacrificing... Um, journeying with their family or being there with their family so they can help the Avatar to hopefully help him. Um, Toph sacrificing a life at home yeah, um, of shelter and security to be able to support and become the version she needs to be uh, to best support Aang. I think of the refugees that have to make sacrifices for their survival. Um, I think of Iroh sacrificing a life of... Uh, in the fire nation uh, secure to kind of stand up for what's right. And so I think of when you're letting go of these attachments, you're letting go of those things. I also think I remember Toph saying something along the lines of like, 
let go of it already as like when she gets sassy yeah uh, like she i think like drop it yeah, the, like, yeah let drop it get rid of it let it go um and what we were what also came up while you were talking was like speaking of like letting the energy flow i think bending is all about energy as well right and it's all about letting our energy flow through our body and iroh talks about this when especially when lightning, about bending. lightning bending mm-hmm. right um, you don't want the lightning to stop anywhere. You want it to flow through, flow through you and redirect it. Yeah, and yeah, you, want yeah. It to, you want to redirect it around, not through your heart, right? You want to redirect it through your body and through your stomach, but not like, so there's a lot of like redirection of energy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what else? I think of, I think it just brings up to the moment every time he's gone into the avatar state and how out of control that's been. Um, and we've always talked about that as being so overwhelmed by the emotions, likely the four other, like the, the other five blockers that he's feeling to open those chakras, um, are likely the reason that that avatar state has been so unstable, uh, when he first sees monkey Atso, um, when he accidentally, you know, is trying to save Katara and goes into that state. I think those are all, he's feeling guilt or shame or fear in those moments and i think that that almost represents that so to master that you have to master all of those it also reminds me of like twee and law just that push and pull right there's that balance um so just like, this whole idea of balance and being able to let go of things because when we are holding on to it it means we're holding literally holding on to it means we're like bearing the weight of and so um, if you're able to let go of that, you're able to balance with yourself in a way. And so just the balance of Twi and La and the spirit world and the physical world uh, also comes to mind when we think about that. Mm-hmm. How do yeah. you feel? Anything else that's reminding us in this series um, about this line? Can you read it for us one more time? Absolutely. Now think of your attachments and let them go. Let the pure cosmic energy flow. Awesome. Yeah. I feel good. I feel good. So now we're going to kind of expand it. Notice we're, we're kind of, we're starting off very narrow and then we're opening up a little bit and now we're going to opening up even more to our lives. And so we've, we kept, we kept it to the series now, but like what other allegorical, uh, things does this remind you other movies and other stories, your life, ultimate um, cosmic power. Living space. That's exactly that's what I thought. That's 100%. That is literally exactly what I thought of. Yes, phenomenal like, cosmic power. Yes, right. Yeah. Living space. Well, and I think what's so fascinating about that is Jaf- like when they trap Jafar by giving him phenomenal cosmic power, it's a trap, right? Yes. And so when he achieves that, he is then I think. Because he hasn't mastered all of because those things. Because he hasn't mastered all of these things. He that's exactly trapped. what came yeah. up for me. And that, yes. So that's 100% what I thought of. How cool is that? That's but, so neat. So that was, that was the big thing. That, so Aladdin, everybody. Just yeah. in case. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, that was I'm very upset that there's going to be no Return of Jafar live action. Live action? I'm also very upset there wasn't a giant CGI snake. In yeah, the live action that was a version. failure. That was, oh yeah, it was fine. But uh, anyways, um, so yeah, honestly, that's what it brought up for me was was that moment for sure. It literally, same thing for me. Yeah. Um, it, outside of that, I, well, I just I think about letting things go and how like there's 
letting things go is interesting because one of the blockers is grief. Mm-hmm. And when I have to let things go, I experience grief. So when I'm losing something that I love, when I'm losing something that I care about and I'm letting it go, like, you know, there's the, like the phrase, it reminds me of like, if you love somebody, you have to be able to let them go. Yes. Right. And there's grief in loss. And I think it's natural and I think it's okay. And I think it's love. And I, I think, yes. and, I, and I think it's funny because that's what it's grief is supposed to be blocking. Yeah. And it's saying that like, when you grieve for these people, their love isn't gone, but I feel that grief is, if you don't have grief, it means that the love wasn't there to begin with. I don't know if that's, uh, that's ultimately like, I don't think that's universal, but I think in moments where I, I appreciate grief because it means there was so much love there to begin with. I was sad to leave well, summer camp yes. for the last time because of how much love I had for it, and that caused grief. Well, and that's yeah. okay because it remind like that's a reminder that the love was there. Well, in a way, and I think that's the difference, right? When you're able to look at it with that perspective, it ceases to become grief. It's it becomes you know so an inside out. I still think it's grief. You know so what I mean? In inside out, you know how the memories are. You in, when she's young, there's joyful memories, there's sadness memories, there's anger memories. Someone tweeted me how they couldn't have just taken those special golden memories and just sent them up the chute and the movie would have ended. We're not arguing about this right now. I have to know. I could not get over that. I was like, just send the balls back up. There's a vacuum right there. I'm going to finish now. So in the end, what starts to happen is there are, there's these infused memories with multiple um, feelings attached to them. They could have easily gone up the vacuum and fixed everything. And because there were multiple multiple, uh, emotions associated with those memories it shows emotional growth, right? And so when we're able to see those memories that were once joyful and see them as now they're tinged with also they're sad, but then you create something that is both. It's both grief and joy um, because they're, you can't disconnect them, right? And so I think seeing the connection between that is really important in terms of growth, right? Absolutely. So... I just think it's interesting how letting go can be both really hard and also really um, positive at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that, that's three of the steps? Yeah. We're are crushing there, this. Are there other allegorical things this reminds you of? No, Aladdin and Summer Camp. That's all I got. <laughs> so, yeah, letting things go. Um, there's just so I many. feel like there's another Disney movie about that, but I don't like, I can't put it. Just let it go. It'll come back. I can't think. Wow. It's Tangled. It's cold in here. Okay, next. Anyway, uh, so fourth step is... Oh, Frozen 2 is really just Avatar, by the way. Can we can we talk about that? No. She just has to master all the elements. You're really getting sidetracked in this really segment right now. I was and, doing so well. And you really weren't. <laughs> so step four. Ow. <laughs> uh, let, can you read the sentence one more time for us? Yeah. Maybe if you were paying attention, you would have remembered. It's for all of us, Sunshine. Now think of your attachments and let them go. Let the pure cosmic energy flow. This makes me think that Frozen 1 stole from Avatar as well. Step four. Yes. Is if you were to teach a lesson on this sentence, if you were to teach a lesson what would your lesson be on? Or another way to think about it is, um, 
what's something that like you are feeling called to do because of this sentence? Ooh, I'm moving soon. Okay. And it if I feel called to not take all the things with me. I feel called to kind of donate what I don't use. Um, make sure like I, that's kind of what it hits home for me. That, like all the things I've been saving, I was like, oh, I'll fit back into those shorts someday. But like, I'm not wearing them. They're sit like I, I kind of think of that. Um, but if I if I had to teach a lesson on this, I think um, it would focus on a lot of letting go of perceived stories and ideals that we have and kind of diving deeper into um, what makes us feel that way, what we can really do with those terrible first drafts. That's kind of where I, my head went. Yeah, I, I like that because a lot of times people focus on like material things when you think of attachment. Like I, um, kind of what you were talking about, like letting go of the things you accumulate over time that you don't like. You haven't worn those. When's the last time you wore those shorts? Several years ago, I imagine. Yes, they do right? not fit. And so I've not been a 34 waist size for a very long time. But moral like of that is that we hold on to these things. And I think letting go of them is a, a literal way to demonstrate that we've we're, we're past it. We're, we're ready to move on and to experience the new and the, the new frontier in a way. And I, I, I think my, if I were to teach something on this, it would be thinking about not, not just the physical things, but the emotional things that we can let go. And I, I like how you talked about like letting go of the stories we tell ourselves because again, it just requires awareness and, in order to let them go, you need to be aware that you're holding on, mm-hmm. right? And so I, I, I would teach a lesson on how to become aware of what you're holding on to. And that's what I would want to, to learn about also, is how to acknowledge and learn about what we're holding on to. Yeah. Great. I love that. Yeah. So, again, this works with – you can pick a random sentence – um in the in, in any episode in any episode that's right and so and you can try it and do it you can do it with a friend and then do it with a voice memo and send it to us yes we would totally play that oh on we our so episodes. would 100 percent. we want to hear from you do that yeah like starting right now to the arc of e at gmail.com the arc of e at gmail.com yeah and if you forget that email you can always check out our instagram at bnb underscore pod which is the same handle as or our twitter, our twitter. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Bonus content there. We do Avatar Art of the Week, so we post some of our favorite fan art. We post some of our favorite memes. Yeah. Little Iroh quotes. Those memes blow up, man. They do. Lots of likes. Yeah. Crazy. <sighs> them them interwebs, let me tell you. Yeah. All right, well, let's jump to our devotion. We are going to look through self-improvement through, the, uh, through air. Air. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go first. So yeah, do that. I, I have been getting into brewing recently. I've been brewing potions. Yeah, I've the been, witch. I've been doing some some booch, uh, kombucha. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you have to say kombucha. kombucha. You cannot shorten that to booch. Just, yeah, kombucha. Yeah, booch. Stop it. But a lot of people call it some booch. 
stop. Anyway, uh, I've also it's been a kid friendly some show and it's dangerous bug, close to some ginger some... bug tea. I uh, was turning that into a carbonated tea, which has been really delicious too. It has been good. And uh, a probiotic. So it's good for you. Yeah, it's good for your stomach, all that stuff. So I've been thinking about like the process and it requires open, it's open air fermentation, then it's closed in order to develop CO2. And so the liquid bubbles with open air. Yeah, science! And it's so cool, right? Uh, these bacteria are are eating the sugar and it's creating bubbles and then it that's how you know it's ready to be bottled that's how you know and so Point. when it's ready to be bottled you put it into a bottle and then you make it so that it's closed to the air and what happens is it starts to build up and so the carbonation builds up over time and i made the unfortunate inf- discovery that if you happen to open <laughs> a bottle uh very quickly it will explode onto your ceiling Y'all, let me paint you a picture of exactly what I saw when this happened. Ben was very gingerly trying to slowly open the cap of this kombucha. And as he's doing it, like a bottle rocket, a geyser flies out (laughs) of this kombucha bottle, which is only like a 20-inch bottle. It's like a regular soda bottle. You would have thought that someone would have dropped like eight Mentos into that (laughs) sucker. (laughs) Because it hit the ceiling. It was all over it his clothes. Yeah. It was all over the floor. It was everywhere. And what made it even that much more sweet was that <laughs> the day before, I opened a soda, and it did a little bit of that, but not nearly to this level, and Ben pointed and laughed. And so less than like 24 hours later, uh, sweet, sweet karma reared reared her head. But, but the reason I bring that up is because... It was everywhere. When you are open to the air... Right. What's happening is uh, you are still growing and developing. Right. But when you close yourself off to the air, what happens is you're likely to explode if you're not careful. And so I am just kind of taking that as a metaphor. Oh, right. Deep. Well, yeah. And so like, I, I just I think that when we are able to breathe, literally, we are able to uh, we don't we don't build up. We don't explode. And so I, I want to Im- think about my self-improvement in a way of like where am I bottled up and how do I uncap it without exploding? Wow. Yes. Your turn. Yeah. (laughs) Just taking it all in. Yeah. And, uh, I think for me, um, I am, as we talk about illusions and the illusions that like we're just one element and that we don't all play a really valuable role in supporting each other, which is kind of talked about in this episode. Um, when, when they're trying to open the light chakra, the phrase is that insight is blocked by illusion. And I think for me, uh, with the windy personality that I have, um, I can be easily distracted by the illusion. And I think that that is, can be a barrier to true insight, whether it's the way that I'm looking at myself and do, am I blaming others when things go wrong or am I looking deep and saying, what role did I play in this? Um, and trying to make sure that those illusions don't distract me from the real content that is able to help me become a better person. And so I think this week I'm going to focus on really diving into that self-awareness and not being distracted by the illusions around me. that could be inhibiting the insight that could be very valuable to me as I learn and continue to grow to try to be the best leader I can be. 
Um, and so that's kind of what spoke to me this episode. Self-awareness, man. It's a, th- it's a it's thing. It's super cool. And it's hard. And I think that's it – go, it, to go full, full circle back to the beginning of our conversation, there was no – I am self-aware. <laughs> like it is – the more self-aware you become of behaviors, the more you then start to dive in and go – when do I do this? Because it's not just in this moment that I exhibit ex- behavior A. Yep. When do I do that, and how does that negatively or positively impact other situations and other ways? Like when I do that behavior when I'm feeling X or Y or Z, how does that navigate? And so the more you learn, you continue to open up more potential for further learning, and we have to be willing to dive into that. And so I think that that's, that's where I go with this. I love it. Max, anything you want to add to this uh, penultimate episode of season two? Isn't this, there's one more episode after this one. Yeah, so the penultimate. penultimate. Yeah, there's one more. Is, yes. That's what the word means. The, yeah, there's, no, there's one more episode still. Correct. So this isn't penultimate. All right. That's so exactly we're what on. it is, Max. No, there, there's is one done. more. Max is trolling. I'm over it's it. It's fun when he trolls. I like little side tangents from Max every now and then. I like then. the side tangents, but then it goes on for like an extra two Max, minutes. did you see the... You're a big Robin Williams guy. Big fan. Sure. How did you... Did you see the new Aladdin and did you... Did it have Robin Williams in it? It didn't. Well, then did you just answer your own question? You're, so you're saying you were not happy with Will Smith's performance? I haven't seen Correct. it. Correct. I don't know. Oh, you didn't watch it at all. Watch it. See how it compares. I think Will Smith did fine. Kind of owning it and making it his own. I think you have to look at it as the separate. whole holistic movie is. Is is he more of like a, a Agent J Will Smith or like a Hitch Will Smith or like a Pursuit of Happiness Will Smith? I think it's Dep- closer to Hitch. Maybe a Wild Wild. West. I would say it's more Wild Wild West Will Smith. I don't know. If that's a very kind comparison, either. That's an interesting movie. Anyways, thank y'all so much for listening. Again, go follow us at bnb underscore pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, send us an email, thearchive at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And if you would like to support us, um, you can go onto our Patreon, patreon.com slash E, like Noah's Ark, or the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of E. Um, and that would be a great place to find us. And then if you would like to, uh, a huge favor for us is just tell your friends if you got friends that love avatar the last yeah. airbender just tell your friends about this podcast word of mouth is the it, greatest and then go uh f- if you could follow us on spotify that would be awesome if you feel so inclined or if you would like to rate and review this on apple Podcasts, all of those things would be incredibly helpful Truth. as we uh, continue this show uh we're excited after this to bring you season three and then we hope to do all of the Legend of Korra as well. Yeah, there's some um, exciting stuff coming in Season 3, too. And so, uh, please share this with your friends. Follow us on Spotify and uh, rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That would be a huge help to us. Thank you so much for listening. I am Sunshine Mayfield. This has been Bruin. And this has been Bending Not Breaking. Thanks, y'all. Bye. Okay, goodbye. <laughs>